without further ado, uh, let me take a sip of water before I jump in here. <laughs> okay, people want to be part of something great. They want to be part of something great, don't they? Anybody managed to take in a cards game yet? Hands raised? Uh, fair number. You know, when it's the bottom of the ninth and someone hits one deep, how exciting that is, how amazing that feels. Also, just to be a part of something where everybody's kind of wearing the same color and cheering for the same thing. I'm from Seattle, and um, it was very difficult to be a sports fan in Seattle all growing up. So, uh, you know, Seahawks lost the Super Bowl, yada, you know, bad call, whatever. But the, NF uh, the championship game, NFC championship game, was amazing. It was unbelievable. If you're a Seattle fan, it's like, you know, you've waited all your life to be part of this something great. And maybe for you it's not sports. Maybe you want to be part of a great family, a great friendship, a great company. Um, and I'm wondering, does the church count? Can the church be something great? All you have to do is post something like this on Facebook, which my buddy did, not uh, part of Green Tree, friend of mine I went to school with, posted this on Facebook. <laughs> Lots of opinions. Lots of exclamation points. The word church, like the word love, or war, or home, or family, is carrying a lot of freight. It's carrying a lot of freight, meaning there's a lot of personal feelings involved. There's a lot of history involved. And maybe you could post something like this and be like, yes, Green Tree. And I hope, you, I hope you feel that way about Green Tree. There are others just skimming through the comments who say, look, no thanks. My church is outside. My church is at the ball field. My church is on my back porch with my cup of coffee and my Bible. I don't need that. It's not great. More people have died in the name of church or so I've heard, um, heard said before. Uh, people aren't interested. So I have a challenge this morning, and it's this. We are in this series about the people of Jesus, and by people of Jesus, it's talking about the church. Very simply, uh, the church is defined as those who are called out, the called out ones. Have you been called out? Have God, has God called you out? The church is also called the set-apart ones. The word we use for holy means set-apart the saints means set apart. Have you been set apart? Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you could experience the goodness of the church? The question that's going to drive the sermon this morning, the question that's going to drive us as we journey through the text, how can I experience the goodness of the church? And maybe you don't think you can experience that. Maybe you don't care. I just invite you to hang on because here's the main point. The main point today of the sermon, if you don't remember anything else, this is the nitty-gritty. The quality of the church depends on the purity of the message and the mission. That's a mouthful, so to let it roll off our tongues, it's our quality depends on our purity. Let's read, uh, if you would, Acts 4.32 uh, to 37. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. 
And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought, them, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, you can call him Barney, uh, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Friends, the Bible tells us that we don't live by bread alone. We actually live by every word that comes from God's mouth, whether that's the word that called us into being or the word of his revelation of his love and his goodness. So let us pray as we consider these things. God, whether we know it or not, whether we're thinking of it or not, we are desperate for you. Our very next breath uh, does not uh, depend on us. Really, it depends on you. We came into the world not, not of our own accord, but because you wanted us to. Lord, uh, we are here this morning not by accident, but because you've designed it so. And God, I pray that as we read your word, your special word to us, God, with all my heart, I pray that your spirit would do uh, the work that only it can do to speak to our hearts about the very deepest things we hold on to. God, to give us courage where we need to apply and believe. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so I forgot to bring a, bla a blade of grass up here with me. Sounds strange. Why would you do that? Well, it's April, and I'm reminded of this time I was on a really great team. Many years. So back in the day when I played baseball, I was a hack. I mean, I was really a hack. I was the kid that showed up with his plastic glove, okay? And like, you know, here, let's see how the kid plays catch, you know? And the ball gets fired, and I, you know, and it hits me in the face, and I got a bloody lip, and I'm crying. I don't want to play baseball anymore. Okay, the blade of grass, old Fred, the coach. His son, Freddie, was my best friend. And uh, his dad was a coach, and he wore a fishnet trucker hat up, up, way up top like this. And he always reached down, and he picked the blade of grass and put it in his mouth. You know, whether he's watching ball or he's getting ready to coach us kids, old Fred. Fred had a way, his love for baseball. I remember these words, sitting around the huddle. Take a knee, guys, take a knee. I mean, he was respectful, he was gentle. And, and, and I remember he looked at me and he said, I'll never forget it. We're going to make a baseball player out of you. We're going to make a baseball player out of you, Nathan. And, you know, I wasn't very good, but I played with Fred. You know, this, I don't know if this is common anymore, but the coach kind of follows his son. So Fred Jr., my best friend, he was awesome, and I just wanted to be like Fred Jr. But eventually, I ended up, you know, batting number three, number four sometimes, hit a couple home runs or whatever. But anyway, uh, we became a good team, and Fred was a great coach. And I want to suggest uh, that the church is a team. It's a unified team. So looking at the text this morning in uh, verse 32, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that anything that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Let's get the kid a real baseball glove. Come on, let's make the kid a baseball player. Hey, my time is not my own. This is for the team. We won a lot. It was a great team. The church is a unified team, first and foremost, we see in the text. But unified on what? Is it to win baseball games? No, obviously, this is a church. It's unified on what? One heart. One soul, one purpose, one mission, 
one priority, one goal, one objective. What was it? Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection, meaning a dead man gets out of his grave of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Look, Acts is the story of, of the church. Sometimes it's easy to look around and be like, Where did, how did everybody get here? How did Presbyterians and Baptists and Catholics, and, you know, how did they end up here this morning? You know, there's a long tradition. You can follow the trail backward. And when Jesus got out of the grave, he told his apostles, look, I'm going, but I'm sending my spirit to empower you. Preach the gospel in all the world. Teach the disciples everything I've taught you and, and go make some disciples. Go. And the book of Acts, very simply, is the story of, you know, the gospel part two. The, the Jesus was raised. He's resurrected. He sends the, the apostles his spirit. And they enact through God's spirit, through God's power, what he commanded them to do, which is what? To be witnesses. First in their little city, Jerusalem, then their area, Samaria, then the area, and where? To the ends of the earth. Friends, we still have that call. We're still called to go. It could be across your driveway, it could be across your street. Could be down to Meacham, could be to North City, I don't know. Could be to Tim Tobuk too. Our God calls people all kinds of places to make disciples. And so these apostles were preaching the name of Jesus. And you know what? It got them arrested, just like it got Jesus arrested. They were on trial. And you know what? They had this council and they say, look, we're going to let you go. You read about this in Acts chapter 4. We're going to let you go. But hush it up. Don't do it. No more preaching. No more Jesus. And they were let go. They could have been killed. Later on, eventually, many of them were killed. But in this circumstance, in chapter 4, they were not killed. They were let go and told to hush up. Have you been told to hush up? You don't have to obey an illegitimate order, by the way. What's hushing us up? What is threatening us that makes us hush up? That's a good question. So what did they do? They went away, and they got together with their buddies. That's exactly, if you read it, that's exactly what you would do. You're like, oh, we got released. I mean, we, we're out of here. And they get together with the other disciples. They look, this is what happened. I mean, this was crazy, and there was a trial, and they let us go, and they told us to hush up. So did they hush up? No. No. They did not hush up. They prayed for boldness. They said, we ain't going to quit. We need to get, actually, we need more power. We need to be more bold. It's this very message that Jesus charged us to preach. So, remember, we're saying, how do I experience the goodness of the church? And I'm on our way to an answer. Quality depends on purity. Purity, they're unified, one heart, one soul. Our team has a supernatural mission and message. A dead man got out of his grave. And only person who had God's very nature had the power to do that. Because he died a sinner's death and he made no sin. Sin had no power on him. Death could not hold him down. He gets out of the grave. That's supernatural. Friends, if you want to have fellowship, join the Rotary Club and join a fishing club. If you want to go do, you know, good works, join the, you know, uh, Peace Corps or something. A lot of people can do those things. 
What makes us different is we are committed to a supernatural mission and a supernatural message. They had one heart, one soul. Our team has a supernatural mission, supernatural message. All right, so when I was 15, my friend Dustin, good buddy of mine, grew up with him. Our mission involved as much fresh snow as possible. I want to make these beautiful lines in with my snowboard. Snowboarding on fresh snow is like, it's the closest thing to flying I've ever felt. It's amazing. You're in total control. You're surrounded by this giant pillow. You're just carving, and it's so awesome. That was the mission. So whatever we could do to get to the mountain, it was like, yeah, you're going to need, you know, chip in 15 bucks gas because we're going a long way to get that snow. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We both agreed. Yeah, let's divvy up the gear. You know, it's funny. As the relationship has blossomed, uh, we've been friends now for 32 years. Uh, Dustin's the guy who's like, look, let's get you a plane ticket so you can come and we can do that. I realize you don't have any money. You have five kids. If money's the object, that's, that's not an object because really the goal now is friendship. Do you see that? You note that in your life? You know, there's, there's these kind of lower expectations. Yeah, everybody chip in. And then this, this kind of higher expectation, like, well, the most important thing is friendship. You see that the fellowship and the mission kind of go together. You know, how people give their money. It kind of goes together. And so for here, I mean, how much more? This is a supernatural mission. It's supernatural. It goes beyond just friendship. It's the fellowship of those who hold the testimony of Jesus. So what does it look like in the church? What does it look like in the church? Our team is radically generous. We share radically. We share not just to put people on a plane so they can come snowboard with us, although that's not a bad thing. If you want to make a donation, that would be great. If you own a cabin in Colorado, that kind of thing, I can show you a thing or two with a board strapped to my feet. But no, our team shares radically. 434, there was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands or houses, sold them, sold their lands, and brought the proceeds uh, of what was sold. What situations come up in your life where money is no object? Think about it. What situations come up and the money is just, it's just a tool. It's just to, just to get it done. That's different for all of us. One thing that's easy is like when your kids, when your kids are sick, I, you know, I don't care how much money I have to borrow. If my kid is sick and he needs care, I'm going to do whatever needs to be done to see that he gets care. Or my daughter, to see that she gets care. Or if your kid is, you know, stuck somewhere in the middle of the night, the car's broke down. It doesn't matter, right? Am, am I right? It doesn't matter how much it does. Money's just whatever. Just, just come on. And here we see, you know, some folks, they'll spend any amount of money to, for their reputation. They'll spend any amount of money to look beautiful. They'll spend any amount of money to look happy. They'll spend any, out of mo- any amount of money to get out of the doghouse with their spouse, with their kids, with their friends, through sheer unabashed bribery. Where does the message of Jesus fall in on your priorities? It's very important to know, I ain't preaching communism here. 
or socialism. This is not politics. This is about the church. How does the church relate to needs in the church? The message of the gospel is the most important thing. Remember, we're talking about how do I experience the goodness of the church? And I'm saying it's purity. It's purity, a pure commitment to the, to the mission and the message. Where does that fall in your priorities? It's very important to note this. We're not generous for being generous for generosity's sake. Because, you know, there's a lot of, you can look pretty good being generous. Note, it's the result. It's the result and not the cause. It's the result and not the cause. Look here, 436 and 37. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son, son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Earlier we read there wasn't a needy person among them. This is so cool. This is why it's so fun to study the Bible. Check this out. Key in the text, Joseph was a Levite. Okay? A Levite is not supposed to own property. As we read in the book of uh, Deuteronomy and in the, in the Pentateuch, Genesis, the first five books of the Bible, lays out kind of the game plan for the nation Israel. And the Levites were what? Do we remember who were they? Priests. They were priests. And it said, look, Reuben, Gad, Asher, you know, Judah, here's your land, allotments of land for the 12 tribes, the name of the 12 tribes. Levi, no, you're not getting any land. Who's their inheritance? The Lord. The Lord is their inheritance. Okay, so here we read, something hasn't gone well because a Levite owns land. Moreover, he's from Cyprus. Why would you own land in Cyprus? Well, <laughs> that looks pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, that looks pretty good. You know, when God's plans are the best intentions kind of run amok, it's like, look, I need to take it easy here. Now, I'm not saying it looked like this when he was there. That's, you know, hotels and beaches probably, whatever. I mean, I don't know. But that's a good question. Why did a Levite own land in Cyprus? And when it says there wasn't a needy person among them, that's also from De Deuteronomy. It shows, the text is showing us, do you see? The death and resurrection of Jesus comes to restore all things. And in fact, it's starting. It's starting. Don't let this world tell you the church is defeated. I mean, sure, our values as represented by Western culture are under assault, no question. But the church is exploding. It's continuing to grow. Read every statistic from secular number crunchers. The church is growing and it will not be stopped. It started. The restoration of all things has started. And how do you get folded into that? I suggest it's our commitment to the pure message and the pure mission of the gospel of Jesus. There was no um, need among them. Okay, so remember, the church is a team. Let's review. It's a team. We have a supernatural mission and a supernatural message. We give and we share radically. Okay, time for some hard work of application. Nathan, you might say, I'm disappointed in my church. They're not committed to that. 
I can't commit to that. God has let me down. You know what? On the bad days, I just need a break. I don't need this Christian stuff. I need a little retail therapy. I'm not saying that's always a bad thing. You know, sometimes an ice cream or a new pair of pants is okay. But to the neglect of the mission of Jesus, I, and you might be here and someone might have drug you here against your will or some, something, guilted you here. I don't need this churchy stuff. I don't need it. I don't need this churchy stuff. So if you fall into one of these categories, I do too, you know, hey, I'm a human person here. Gently, I want to ask you and ask myself, what's the mission? If you don't, if the mission, the pure mission of Jesus, the message of Jesus isn't the center part of your identity, then what is? Whether you know it or not, we have a mission. Here's some. To be happy, to be healthy, to avoid pain, to be liked, to be beautiful, to be cut and jacked. Yes, a lot of guys are there. Never look stupid. I want to look smart. I don't ever want to get embarrassed. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to show, I want to show all these people that I'm something special. I want to have great friendships. I want to have a great marriage, great family life, a great job. I want to be lovely, and I want to be loved. Let me ask you, how's that working? How's that work? If we're all trying to do that for ourselves, like bashing into each other trying to get it done, how is that working? And particularly, I want to say something to, if you are a pastor, an elder, a deacon, a staff member, who are on the inner circle of church, we're in the most danger. You want to know what? Because we control the language. We speak Christianese. Maybe, you know, you and Tom go back a long way. Maybe you, you know, one of my close friends, maybe you've been a part of Green Tree a long time. What's the mission? What's the message? It's really subtle when we're speaking Christianese. Really subtle. Oh, yeah, glory to God. That's the number one thing. And by the way, I want to look awesome. By the way, we want to look awesome. By the way, we want to be happy. By the way, we don't want to rock the boat. By the way, we want to stay in control. I'm preaching to myself here. Tell you what. What is my commitment? How can I experience the goodness of the church? The question, the answer. The quality of the church, my experience of the church, the restoration of all things, radical giving, radical sharing, depends on the commitment, the purity of the message and the mission. I can tell you this, I've failed a lot, but on my way to this day, in front of this pulpit, and it's been a long journey for me, I wasn't on the fast track to ministry, I thought maybe I might be a preacher when I was 18, 36, 18 years later. Been in this job two years, and I can tell you it's been a hard road. And I want to cry when I think about the people in the name of Jesus who were radically generous with me. I had to repent to God the other day. I said, Lord, I've been whining about this and whining about that. I'm going to sit down and mark out all the ways that you've shown me generosity. And I actually added up the numbers. The amount of people and the amount of money they gave, I, can't, I couldn't believe it. And you might not have anything to give money-wise. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about money. We're talking about goodness. Can you give a smile, a meal, a hug, a prayer in the name of Jesus? Can you, can you seek someone out who needs help in the church? We care about people outside of the church. But this message is about those in the community of faith. It should start with us. We take care of our own here. You see, people want to be a part of something great. 
does that look like in the church? I want to see white hands and brown hands reaching toward each other. Not because of politics, not because of a program. Programs might help, but because of the mission and the love of Christ. We need that in Kirkland, in St. Paul. That's one, that's one vision. What's it for you? There's people going all over the world doing all kinds of things. Where, where's Diane Becker? Is she in here? She, she'll tell you. People want to be a part of something great. The quality of our church depends on the purity of our mission and the message. So, one final point of application. We can repent. Repent means to turn around and say, Lord, I've been walking this way. I need to walk this way. Sometimes the fastest way is to stop the wrong way, not just try to adjust the wrong way, but to actually turn around and, and go back where we got it wrong. Can we think of those things? We are going to repent and pray for boldness like the apostles did. how we're going to conclude. I would like us to take a moment of silence that will allow us about 30 seconds. And I'll call us back to order. And we're going to pray this prayer together. I want you to take a moment of silence, please, and allow this message to speak to your heart. Please pray this with me. Almighty God, creator of the universe, as my redeemer, you have given your son to die as payment for my sin, and you raised him from the dead so that I might believe and be raised myself. I have failed to devote my heart to the purity of the message of Jesus and the mission of the gospel. Forgive me. I trust that your love and grace for me is enough. By your spirit, help me to commit to seek your glory alone through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I have this privilege to announce the words of pardon. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thinking about those things that threaten our purity... Be they danger, be they lusts, be they passions, be they pride. Let's pray this prayer with the apostles. And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal.
and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 